Hi, this is Jeanette Creamore, or you may know me as JC. Welcome to Laugh, Learn, Lead, a podcast show that helps project sponsors, project managers, and their teams shape their project success stories. I'll be sharing interviews that bring a different perspective to what project success looks and feels like, as well as unpacking our conversations to provide insights and practical tips. Stay tuned and enjoy. In today's episode, I'm pleased to have with me Dana Ash to talk about her career journey, what has changed in how we deliver projects, and why organizations struggle with digital transformations. Dana has been involved in the IT industry for 25 plus years and been accountable for ICT business with an annual $60 million budget, over 400 staff, and the delivery of major IT projects and programs. She came up through the ranks of the public sector in both state and local government taking on diverse IT roles, including business improvement leader, reaching the level of executive director of an ICT branch for a major state department. Dana joined the private sector eight years ago to manage ICT programs and projects with full accountability for revenue and profit margins, commercial negotiations, vendor management, and staff in a true matrix management setting. She's managed teams spread across Australia, Vietnam, and India. Dana is a highly motivated, articulate, and successful IT management professional who has mentored many upcoming IT staff across several years. She's passionate about the transformation potential of technology and its ability to positively impact people's lives. Welcome, Dana. Um, You've had a magical career. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how you started and ended up where you are now? Yeah, certainly. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this interview with you. Um, How did I start? Well, I started um, as a clerk in the public service back when there was such a thing. Uh, And along the way, I I decided that my career aspiration wasn't about a destination. It was actually about a journey. And I know that's an overused term. For me, it was about saying, if a bus passed and I'd never been where that bus was going before, then I would jump on. So in terms of career, what that means is that opportunities that came along where I had never done something before, I actually made it my business to get involved and to do that new thing. And that gave me exposure to a range of different things as varied as um, a tour around Queensland doing a a corporate wardrobe expose um, to staff um, and through to IT where I kind of fell into IT. I would suggest that people my age didn't initially start out and say, you know, my my career is going to be IT. We, it was always a second career. And for me, I fell in it um, just by sheer happenstance. And I came into the IT world through a PABX replacement project um, back in the 90s. And it was one of the first PABXs that was actually um, computer driven rather than a physical um, telephone system. And that was my entry into the IT um, domain. And I just found IT so fascinating, not for its own sake, um, but more the possibilities to, to totally transform businesses and transform people's lives. It was just such a, a, an eye-opener for me. And, and I guess I haven't looked back. I've kept that that career goal of trying new things when opportunities came along to say yes, yes, yes. Uh, And um, I learned project management 
from a, a lady called Trish Fullagar, who is now Trish Carrier, who is a phenomenal coach in terms of all things project. So that combines my love of doing new things and my interest in where IT can take us um, blended with um, a real affinity for project management that provides enough structure that you can actually go through and deliver things. So 27 years in government in all different roles and doing many different projects, followed by uh, eight years in the private sector learning all about um, P&Ls and, and uh, how to be client focused from the other side of business. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if anyone would actually understand what ITPABX is. <laughs> yes, it's a modern telephone system. It used to be called a PABX. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, it is an old term, I know. It just still rolls off my tongue. It does. Dana, 27 years in the public sector, you must have experienced some significant changes in, that, in your time. Terribly What's, so, <laughs> yes. And probably you couldn't share one. You've probably got many highlights. But if there was one that kind of you remember the most, um, if you could you know, tell us a, bit, a little bit about that project and that change. But why was it really the one that sticks out for you? Was it the success or the failure? Right. The, the project that sticks out the most for me was uh, when we introduced a call centre into one of the government agencies and we had the opportunity to base call centre operators in regional Queensland. And the reason for me that that sticks out at me wasn't because it was a technology project but because of the transformation it enabled in regional Queensland. So it enabled us to employ 30 people locally into a town that was actually dying. And they were losing families, which means, you know, you lose a police officer, you lose a teacher, you, then there's the threat of the school closing down. And we were able to turn that around by using new technology, which at the time was VPN, it was new, being able to take the job to the workers rather than having the workers come to the jobs in the, in the big city. And the only criteria that people needed to be able to get a job in that call centre was that they had to live within one hour's travel away from the call centre. So we introduced jobs to the town, we introduced commerce to the town. Um, it was just such a fantastic feeling to be able to give back to that community rather than, you know, the government removing services from a community. And that was one of the highlights for me of, you know, really how how technology, how IT projects have such an impact on people. And, and I think that's probably lost today, actually. Um, when you think back um, how far we've come, that we just expect the technology to be there and yet you transformed a town with... Yes, yes, absolutely. I guess what, what I think is that everyone talks these days about, you know, the digital revolution... It's actually been going on in my world for 20 years. It's just that, you know, it sort of has a new handle now, a new name. But mm. we, we were doing it as project managers uh, in the public service particularly. We were using technology to digitally transform people's lives 20 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Now, I'm sure in the 27 years it wasn't all rosy and success. No. Or even in your last eight years in uh, the private sector. Is there a moment where you went, "Mm, thank you, lesson, I'm not going to do that again? There's many of them, many of them. When you're on the edge to try new things and you want to embrace new possibilities with technology, there's many, many lessons to be learned. And, and I'm constantly even relearning some of them that I thought I understood, relearning different aspects of them. Have you got one that you can share but not actually identify anyone or anything? <laughs> yes. Um, I will, I'll do my best not to make it identifiable. Um, I, I think for me the biggest learning was um, in a project I was part of a program, so I was a project manager in a program, and I saw harm done to people through a lack of good organisational change management. So, you know, we lost people along the way. People absented themselves. They literally got sick. They resigned. They, they became pregnant. They took long service leave. So in every way they could, uh, people in the business deserted the organisation while this program was happening. And, you know, my biggest takeaway from that is, you know, that it doesn't matter how good your project management is, if you if you have not got a core body of organisational change management, and I'm not talking about communication, I'm actually talking about how do you help people in their minds shift from one state of being to another? How do you... How do you uh, coach them through that? How do you hold their hand and help them take the journey? I know you'll still lose people because depending on what's happening in people's lives, they'll have a very different tolerance for change happening. But I learned that you can't do change to people. You actually have to do it with them. So that would be my my biggest takeaway. Mm. And, and something that you said that reminded me um, when I was doing my change leadership training in government, that there was a case study presented to us about how you could actually do it better and um, and I'm sure Queensland Rail would be okay with this, but they had to, I think, either close down or move their Ipswich um, depot. And so the change approach to that was actually involving the families in that conversation, not just the Queensland Rail workers. And so to me that was um, this, the lady presented the case study and said that they brought the families in and they had conversations about how we can find you a school, you know, how we can help you find another house, how we can, because the change wasn't just happening to the staff member, the change was happening to the family. To the whole family, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really tapping into what you've just said there about it's, when you're doing change, it's not just about the people in front of you as well. It's actually the people that support them. Yes, the people behind the scenes, yes. Dana, as project professionals, we've had to continually adjust our style and approach to deliver uh, for our customers. What's some of the biggest changes that you feel in your career you've had to modify to, to stay relevant? Uh, interestingly, I actually think project management hasn't changed that much. Um, And many, many people I think would probably disagree with me, but let me talk to you about why I find that to be true. 
what I see is that project is all about changing people's worlds, turning them upside down, getting them to do things new ways. How we execute the project, you know, we've gone through waterfall, we have iterative, we have agile, which is a form of, you know, cyclic and um, uh, iterative. So we see all these different methodologies coming out, but at the end of the day, I feel like they're almost rebranding something that we used to do informally as we went through the waterfall methodology, which is the more traditional approach. Every organisation I've worked in has taken a methodology and adapted it, tailored it to what they can tolerate, to what is needed for the project. So I actually find that the only thing for me that has changed is how much we engage the end user, how much we engage the business. The biggest change for IT projects has been that they've come out of the IT branch, if we are lucky, and they're actually executed with the client as part of the business. So I don't think it's about how we do projects in terms of methodologies, which might have been what people thought I would answer to that. It's actually about moving moving the engagement model from IT doing it to the business to IT programs being totally embedded within the business and delivering with and for the business. Mm, that's interesting and and agree with some of that. Some of the things that for me as well, I picked up that you said about everyone has a methodology and we adapt it based on how much we can consume it and absorb it. Yes. That, that to me is absolutely, I see that everywhere I go, it's a bit of this and a bit of that, a blend Yes. To, try, to try and deliver. For me, though, you mentioned about engagement. Um, I'm finding that the project manager um, focus has shifted its emphasis to more the relationship manager as well. So from my experience, some of that engagement falls on our shoulders now as project leaders, um, not necessarily our teams do you kind of disagree or you've got another perspective on our role as a project leader and how we engage and have relationships I think relationships with our clients has always been absolutely key Um, I, I don't think that's anything new I think the recognition is certainly there now and we are given more if I use inverted commas permission to engage directly with our clients and with the business um but I think that is an aspect of what I was talking about anyway, where if you're executing projects within the business and with the business, then you're absolutely managing expectations and, and relationships with those people. We always had those skills. It's just that we're unleashing them now on the client and within the business rather than just, you know, using them in a steering committee or, you know, with an IT committee who's looking after the project. So, I guess I'm saying yes and no. I think we always did it, but I think now we're doing it differently and, and it's that we are importantly engaging with a different um, set of people. Earlier you mentioned that the word digital transformation is kind of the era that we're in now, but you feel as if we were doing that 20 years ago. Yes. So why are organisations still struggling to embark on a successful digital transformation journey? Like... Because it is hard. It is tough stuff. And the more technology that enables us to do things differently, 
the more we actually need to engage firsthand with the users and bring them on the journey. So digital transformations are no longer about, you know, faster networks and, you know, moving data centre and, you know, we've gone from, you know, ordering up more MIPS to get faster response times in mainframes to having, you know, massive servers and things. Um, now it's about the technology is much closer to the user and it, it's hard. It is, it's a hard, hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to sell. The vision is very hard to, to get out on paper. Um, in some ways, people don't know what to expect from technology until they actually use it. And they go, oh, okay, well, this is what it can do. Now that I've played with it for a while, I can see the next thing that it can do. So it's almost like the transformation takes longer and it's, it's got smaller steps along the way instead of being this one big bang technology thing. Mm. So for me, the word transformation alone, it is, it's, it's long, it's massive. It, you can't turn something on and expect the change to happen. So, no. so is it that the transformations, which organisations are either a couple of things, I can remember someone that we both worked with and um, he talked about if only an organisation invested 1% of their revenue into their technology that they would remain ahead of the curve. Remember our mate Ross? Yes, I do. Yeah. Are organisations not investing enough? Or are they investing um, big chunks too many years apart so they don't have this sense of iterative, continuous improvement? They kind of go, oh, here's an X dollars of money. Now let's go and make change happen. Are they eating the elephant in one too big a piece? Look, I think you're right. I think there is very much an aspect of that. I think that, um, you know, we have all of these agile methodologies and iterative methodologies but I find in my experience, my client businesses are still thinking waterfall. So they're still looking for the big bang. They still feel that they need to make their business case based on a massive, you know, payoff at the end of this significant journey. Instead of saying, you know what, it is quite normal for us to invest a grand and make a grand and invest 10 and make 10. You know, it, it we still see the old style financial approaches to business cases that require, you know, make a massive case for a huge forklift investment, forklift upgrade, mm. uh, and then, you know, reap this massive benefit at the end. Whereas I think that, that it's a much shorter cycle and, and, yes, we should be breaking everything down into what can we do tomorrow, what can we do next week, what can we do next month, rather than doing these big bang approaches. I still see a lot of my clients who haven't made that continuous investment in their IT, they're still doing the every five years we'll have a massive upgrade. And that's how long, you know, it takes them to get through the financial cycles um, of that business case process. And I'm finding that in both public and private sector. It's almost like we need financial and business case agility to match our technology agility. I don't know if that makes sense. That sure does. That that resonates so much with me. Um, and I probably experienced that for the first time when I worked in a university and they were going through a massive 
student-centric transformation. And the CIO there had the vision to say, okay, let's break it down. How much can we ask the students to absorb as change and how frequently? Yeah. And, they, and they put in this place you know, every 90 days. And it was all about how they marketed it to the students as well as so it's kind of like every 90 days there was excitement in the university that they were going to be given something of benefit to the student again. So rather than waiting two years and then the students that were already in the university missing out on some of those benefits, there was he had the vision to say, let's give them something every 90 days. Let's celebrate with the student every 90 days. And that for me was a model that I kind of looked at and I went, that's how digital transformation should really happen. Yes, we should tippy-toe through it, doing what we can as we can. And I'm not even saying, you know, we need a deliberate um, roadmap or anything like that. I'm saying we should be looking at the next opportunity and the next opportunity that takes us in the direction that we need to go. And one of the things that we never did particularly well, I don't think, back in the day was listen to what the clients want. So, you know, we used to do these massive massive refreshes of technology um, based on a technology driver. Whereas, you know, if we had a stream of people telling us, if only I could do this, if only I could do that, if, if we were asking them, you know, what, what happened today on your systems that really irked you and try and fix that in the next 90 days. Mm. Yeah, that continuous improvement and, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't know, over the next couple of years, hopefully we can shape and influence what organisations are doing to transform because I feel as if they're trying to, like you said, every five years do a massive uplift and it takes three years to get there and so you're only getting two years of benefit. Yes, and by then the clients, the user group that you, that you really, you know, got in mind to to utilise that technology, they've moved on. Mm. They, they thought that, you know, the next best thing that's come from, you know, Apple or Google or, you know, whoever. Mm. So yes, I'm I'm learning a bit with the retail industry at the moment. Um, there's a, a project leader in that arena that um, she took a bit of a, a risk and uh, said, "No, let's let's launch this. Sixty um, percent right, um, and then let's do every month release something to the online customer consumer." Mm -hmm. And now she's ranked in the top five globally of her app. So. She took a very different approach to transformation because she said the same thing, engage the end user. What are they telling me that they want? And have that rapid delivery back to them to say, oh, this is what you're asking for. Here it is. So, yeah, don't wait for it to be 100% right. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Dana, when you are doing your resource planning for your big programs or you know, your smaller projects and you're supporting your project managers, and you're helping them do the recruitment and selection of that right person for the role, what sort of skills and behaviours are you looking for now? Is it different from what you are looking for 10 years ago? Or are you looking yes. for, yeah. Yes, to, to, you know, give you a very short answer, yes, it is absolutely different. And I think it speaks to um, the comments you made earlier about, you know, our relationship with our customers now. Um, about having to be, um, you know, the, the relationship managers with those people. So 
you know, it used to be that we would recruit people that could talk project manager speak. Did they know what an SPI was? Could they give me an earned value? You know, could they could they look at a schedule and tell me, you know, are we on track? And that's all well and good, you know, that, that's that's the um, you know, the, the practice of project or program management. But what I look for now is personal flexibility. I need people who can come into a program or a project and actually fill the gap that they need to fill. And I believe in giving people as much space as they need to take up to do their roles well. And if somebody comes in and they're a project manager, but in fact they're a really, really good communicator, then that's what I want them to be doing. I want them in that communications role. I want them, you know, taking our clients on that journey. I want them to be able to be flexible enough. And I'm not talking about work-life balance. I'm talking about um, to be able to tune your personal behaviour to be able to get the very best you can out of your team and out of your clients that you're working with. So it's that level of flexibility personally, interpersonally, and, and I'm certainly looking for people that have awareness of their own behaviour. So looking for that, you know, emotional intelligence factor so that they are reflective enough to understand what's happening to a group of people that they're working in and be able to do what those people need to do to become what those people need to get the job done. Wow. That's why I always like working for you. <laughs> when you're looking at the recruitment and selection process for, you know, these people that can, um, I think you mentioned the word personal flexibility. I love that. Um, yep. Are you going to recruitment agencies? Are you doing a referral base? That's so about tapping into a network. What? How, how do you think... We're currently looking for our talent. Um, I think it's looking wherever you possibly can. I think that uh, the sort of talent that we need on our projects um, is not readily available. So I will do anything I can to try and find the right person. And, you know, I will tap into my network. Uh, I will go on LinkedIn. I will tap into recruitment agencies but really for me I think the biggest thing is word of mouth the net the network for me is becoming um, more and more important in particularly project management in Queensland where you know the pool of people isn't as great as it might be in other areas you know I'm I'm not not against doing you know emails or text messages, somebody, somebody, give me somebody who has these sorts of capabilities. And, you know, it's not often technical capabilities that I'm looking for. Dana, you know, those things you're talking about, um, about what you look for in project managers and that to fill roles, one thing I just really want to probably um, amplify and highlight is the need for a mentor. And you have been a mentor to me uh, for several years. And Without that, I don't think neither of us can grow. And so I encourage project managers to find that person that really can be their um, butt kicker and, and <laughs> get them to, you know, go after the bigger dreams. Um, yes. but, but also that person that they can actually talk things through where they actually can be a little bit vulnerable and actually share how they are lonely sometimes because the project manager role Although we're surrounded by people, it can be very lonely at times. 
So do I, you? I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. So do you have a mentor for yourself? Because I know you've been a tremendous one for me. I don't at the moment. I don't, I don't have a formal mentor. Um, having said that, I think I have got the the ability to to um, you know pick up from other people like really good lessons. What did they learn? What are their experiences? Like a lot of humans, I need a story. I like someone to tell me a story about what happened in their last project. And there's there's um you know many of those things around. So so I feel like I I am mentored generally through all of my interactions with all of the people that I interact with. But no, I don't have a formal mentor. Mm, okay. So Dana, if you were to write yourself a letter of best project management advice you re- ever received, what would you write to yourself? I, I would write be kinder to yourself. Um, I would tell the younger me that project management is is a learning role. You learn every time you start a new project, you learn the tolerance that your client has for different levels of rigour. You learn their capacity for how the program can be executed. You learn from, you know, your staff uh, and your other team members about what would work for them and then therefore how to how to amend your behaviour. So I would say don't, don't go in there, Dana, fully charged up knowing that you've got all the answers. It's actually not going to work. It's never going to work. You go in there open-minded, open ears, open eyes, closed mouth and absorb your program, absorb your client and then figure out how you're going to wrestle your program into submission. If, if I could stand up and shout out a message, I would just replay what you just said. That is brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. And as you know, when you and I catch up for a coffee, sometimes it ends up being an afternoon. And um, the surprising thing for me is we haven't used a whiteboard today. Yes, but it doesn't mean I haven't been speaking with my hands. (laughs) If I had a pen, I would have drawn something for you. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. So thank you again, Dana, and um, all the best. Take care. Okay, cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a few ideas to take action. I would love for you to rate and review the show. I too need feedback to learn. Cheers for now. Remember, a day without laughter is a day wasted.